0: Good to see you, it is uh, definitely summertime, got folks on vacation, but the cream of the crops here, amen, amen, well I hope you came ready to praise the Lord, so uh, let's stand to your feet if you would, and uh, Brother Chris is going to lead us in a little bit of Days of Elijah, amen, here we go.
1: And these are the days Is got God like to over, God like to over, is God like over, like 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 At the trumpet call, lift your voice, it's a year of jubilee, night of Zion's salvation Come, behold he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun, let the trumpet call.
0: Come on. You ought to be excited about anybody going there. face turn and tell somebody you sure do look good this morning all right and then we're going to continue to worship in just a moment Sure, do look good this morning. You may be seated. You'll be seated. Brother Martin's going to come. And he's going to give us our announcements. Give Brother Martin a big hand.
2: Good morning. Do we have any first time visitors or any visitors here this morning? All right. So, uh, we're just going to record your visit. So, Brother Gary's going to get you a visitor's card. Just uh, drop that in the basket on the way out. So, We have a full slate on Wednesdays. Um, Start with uh, Bible study, fellowship at 10 o'clock right there in our hall. Brother Mark teaches uh, and hopefully some people learn. Um, That's the laugh I hear. (laughs) (laughs) I know when he's here. (laughs) If if he's not here, it's like crickets in that office. Uh, Anyway, 6 p.m., we do have a dinner. And then 7 p.m., we have youth service in here. Miss Cindy and Ginger will do the kids' church, and then Brother Mark has something for the adults in the fellowship hall. So I have a confession for you this morning. I'm not a big um, Sunday school guy, and I'm the preacher. (laughs) But but the past few months, the Lord's kind of been moving in my heart a little bit and uh, I, I just i just came up with this term in my head but if you are not showing up an hour early to the salt and pepper bible sunday school uh right here in the fellowship hall and the reason i call it salt and pepper because brother mark is white and you know salty and tasteful and then i am darker so i'm the pepper so i'm a little spicy and you're not coming to learn about the bible I encourage you to come to the salt and pepper Sunday school at 10 o'clock. We had a great time this morning. The teaching was amazing. It was very spicy. We do need more volunteers uh, for help with children and nursery. See Miss Cindy and Ginger to sign up for that. Uh, next Sunday, next Sunday. When? Next Sunday. Okay. I guess maybe I kind of started this, but wear your flag shirt in honor of brother mike i have my flag shirt ready thanks to uh, brother rusty uh... you know we talked about the blessings of god a couple weeks ago asking you shall receive i asked and then i received uh... brother rusty bought me a shirt and i'm assuming you have one as well so <laughs> we we are going to be in our flag shirts we might even get up and do the pledge of allegiance <laughs> Big, big event we have coming up is Teen Camp on July 18th through the 22nd, still one of my favorite weeks of all time. Uh, Allie and I will be taking about 23 young people to church camp. I get to take away their phones, praise the Lord. And I get to put them in the middle of the woods in a camp setting, and we get to just learn about Jesus. Amen. Uh, I don't know how much better of a time you could have. If you would like to sponsor a teen, the cost is $250. Uh, just see me or let me know if you make a check just uh, designated towards teen camp, but just let me know so I can keep it up here. Also, we'll have BBS not too long after that, August 3rd through the 6th. Uh, see Miss Cindy over here. She always does a great job, has great things for the kids to do, but we do need volunteers. And um, that's not my forte, but it may be your forte. Please show up so I don't have to. Amen. (laughs) And then life recovery class will be going on today at 2 p.m. here at the church. It is going, okay, all right. Other than that, let's praise our Lord and Savior. Amen. All right,
0: give Brother Martin a big hand there. Hey, I wanna thank everybody. We had a great time. We had our big uh, church-wide picnic last last Sunday. We uh, baptized 11 people. And, uh, man, uh, yeah, give the Lord a hand on that. And, uh, man, we uh, keep bringing folks. We need more folks saved. We need more folks getting baptized. Uh, we even talked about maybe doing one right before school starts and doing another uh, picnic out there and doing some more baptisms. So uh, thank, thank you for everybody that showed up and for everybody that made that happen last week. Well, let's stand if you would. We're going to continue to worship. And uh, how many of you believe that nothing is impossible with God? There is nothing that our God can't do. Amen. Let's sing that together. All right, here we go. One, two, three, four.
4: Dark
1: addiction starts to break, declaring Mary's hope. And Mary's-
0: sing this last verse and I want us to just have a little rapture practice amen in mansions of glory how many of you looking forward to the day could be today could be tomorrow we never know we must live every day as if it might be today in mansions of glory let's sing that together
3: praise you this morning, God. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the power in his name, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that that veil was torn, God, when you paid that price so that we could go directly to you, Jesus, and we can pray. And you hear us, and you love us, and you care for us. Lord, may we always be mindful of saying your name and not being ashamed of your name to people around us, God. Because we are not perfect and we're not trying to say we're perfect to the world. We're just trying to say that they need Jesus like we need Jesus. And God, I just pray that you would now be with this Messages is going to be brought to us, God. Open our ears and our minds and just touch us this morning in a way that we need it, God, individually. Thank you for everyone here today. Lord, just um, thank you for our family, our landmark family. Thank you for visitors. Lord, now just have this time in your way. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: And everybody said amen. Amen. All right. We have wonderful Children's Church. Uh, Miss Cindy, if uh, your kids would like to go to Children's Church, uh, they're going to take good care of your kids. Amen. Give our Children's Church workers a big hand. They always uh, work hard and uh, give your kids a great lesson. And we are excited for them. Uh, Do be praying for uh, uh, this is obviously summertime. We've got lots of folks we've got some folks that are sick. We've got some folks on vacation. Just pray that everybody would be safe. Uh, for those that are sick, pray for healing because uh, we want them to be back here among us where we can love on them and just uh, encourage them, all right? And we are praying for healing for everybody. Uh, I want to share with you a, a story today, and uh, you, can, you can see it up on the screen there. And uh, they had some weird names back then, uh, and I'm going to try to say this one right. i got to say it lots of times. you only got to say it once. I'm going to ask you to say it when Mephibosheth. Can you say it with me? Mephibosheth, come on one more time, Mephibosheth, all right, I got to try to say it right all day long, all right, uh, they had some strange names, you know, uh, my family had some strange names, uh, you, you kind of go back down your family line, there were some strange names, I had a Leona on my side, Julie's side had a lot of weird names, uh, Julie had a Fanny Bell and a Bundy and a Joe Boy and uh, all kinds of uh, strange names. But uh, names back in those times were many times uh, meant something, and uh, it was a um, it was meant to kind of uh, represent something, uh, and sometimes it would almost be a prophetic name. And Mephibosheth, uh, we're we're going to read the story. But Mephibosheth translated literally means broken. All right, and so Mephibosheth, we're going to find out that uh, that he became broken. And I don't know how many of you in this room have ever looked in the mirror and maybe you've looked in the mirror at yourself sometime in your life when you've gone through something and you said, you know what, I'm broken. I'm a broken vessel. And the good news is God uses broken vessels. Amen. He uses broken vessels for his glory. In fact, I would say this, all he's really got to work with, with you and I, is broken vessels. Because unless you're perfect, unless you're sinless, I'm here to tell you, we are all broken vessels. Amen. And so we're going to look at the story of Mephibosheth. It's found in 2 Samuel. So if you want to turn in your Bibles there with me, 2 Samuel. And we're going to start in chapter 4, and then we will jump to chapter 9, all right? I'm going to give you a little bit of background about Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth was uh, the son of Jonathan. And Jonathan was the son of King Saul. And you remember, if you remember your Bible uh, correctly, and you remember the story, uh, David starts off uh, kind of being in the favor of King Saul, and uh, he befriends King Saul's son, Jonathan, and they become very close, in fact, as close as brothers, and they literally... Uh, kind of, you know, when your kids have those friends and you almost adopt those kids into your family, that was kind of the way it was with Jonathan and David. They, they had ref- refrigerator rights at each other's houses. They came and, uh, came and went, and uh, that, uh, Jonathan was considered a, a son at David's house, and David was considered a son at Saul's house. But here's the kicker. Saul was a big guy. Saul was an important guy. Saul was the king of all of Israel. And when Saul started off, Saul was a good king. He was a very good king. But something happened along the way, and Saul kind of let his pride and his ego and his arrogance get the best of him. And you remember what happened. Uh, The people wanted another king, and so uh, David, little David, was anointed that he would be the next king of Israel. Now guess what? The one who had the rights to that, who was the heir to the throne, was his friend Jonathan. And so when all of this happened and it was prophesied that David would be the next king of Israel, that caused a rift, uh, not between him and Jonathan. Jonathan, in fact, was fine with it. Jonathan was a good man, had a good heart, and Jonathan knew that David was anointed by God. He knew that uh, David had the anointing of God on him. And so Jonathan never stood in the way. But guess what? There's a problem. His daddy was Saul. And so it caused a problem with Saul. And Saul uh, did not like that prophecy that David was going to be the next king of Israel because that meant that Saul was going to step down and the rightful heir to the throne, his son Jonathan, would not get to take his place as the king. And so this caused a rip. And so Jonathan began to seek to, I mean, uh, sorry. Saul uh, began to seek to kill David. Now, Jonathan and David remained close, and uh, and and Dave, and Jonathan even tried to help David. But it eventually came to a point, as a lot of things do, where there was no choosing. It, it you had to choose a side, and so there became uh, this uh, this war between uh, King Saul and and the people that stood with David. All right, and Jonathan kind of got caught. In the middle, and so Jonathan had to kind of uh, choose, and he was on his daddy's side, and so there there came this big battle, if you will, as as Saul was trying to kill David. Uh, in first uh, second Samuel chapter four verse four, it says, "Zerus, uh, and this is just to kind of give you an idea of who Mephibosheth was. It says, Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel." And his nurse took him up and fled, and it happened, as she made haste, I'm sorry, verse, uh, verse five, I forgot to put it, to flee, that he fell and became lame. No, I'm sorry, you, you got there, right? Uh, to flee, that he fell and became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. All right? So this is the background. So what happens is uh, the, the battle between uh, Saul's people and David's people gets intense, And so there becomes this big battle. And in that battle, God's hand of protection is on David and his people. You can go against a lot of people, but I'm here to tell you, don't ever go up against God. Don't ever go up against who God has his hand on because you will lose. Amen. And so God has his hand on David and his army. And in the battle, guess what? King Saul dies not only king saul dies but also his son jonathan is killed also and so these verses are saying that the battle happens jonathan dies and is killed and uh, and king saul is killed and so they come rushing back to the palace because you know what happens when the king loses the battle and somebody new has taken over guess what they figure they're on their way now to the palace and they're gonna execute everybody from the old regime and they're going to take over. That was kind of the way it happened back then. And so they come rushing back to the palace and they tell everybody, everybody, we gotta get out of here. King David, they won the battle. So they're probably on their way here to execute all of us and take over. And so in their haste to get out of there and, uh, and flee, the nurse picks up Mephibosheth, he's five years old, And they begin to run, and as she's running, she drops him. And as she drops him, he either does something. The Bible's not really clear on what happened. He either breaks his legs or could have broke his neck, and maybe he became paralyzed from the waist down. It doesn't really say, but he became crippled in his feet regardless, all right? And so she drops him, and Mephibosheth at five years old becomes lame, okay? So that's the background, all right? Kind of the... um, deal here is that uh so now they they have to flee and you know all of us have had a probably had a Mephibosheth moment in our lives at this point not by Mephibosheth's choosing he becomes a cripple he becomes lame and so now not only has he lost his father and his grandfather and he's lost all of the privileges that he had as the heir to the throne, now he also is crippled for the rest of his life. So a major traumatic event happens in Mephibosheth's life. Now, what do you think? How do you think Mephibosheth grows up from five years old on? Because all he knows of David, he he didn't really know him like, like Jonathan, like his dad did. All he knows of David is, because of David, my daddy's dead. My grandpa's dead, and I am crippled. And so for the rest of Mephibosheth's life, he probably grows up hating David. The very name of David probably makes him cringe. And he probably has all of this bitterness and all of this hatred in his heart towards David. You ever been there? You ever had a traumatic event in your life, and it is hard for you to get over? Maybe it brings about some, uh, some bitterness Maybe it brings about anger. I don't know what everybody in this room is dealing with. Can I tell you this? In our world today, there could be a lot of really bad things happen, and it can cause you to be bitter and angry and hurt. Many times it makes people bitter and angry towards God. I know a lot of people, a traumatic event happens in their life or they lose somebody they love or something happens to them physically, and they become bitter and angry towards God, and they blame God. It's very easy. You know, God, bless his heart, uh, he gets a lot of the credit, but he also gets most of the blame. Amen? So you got to understand that these uh, people, they uh, they were, uh, Mephibosheth was bitter and angry towards God. All right? Uh, what was your Mephibosheth moment? Maybe you were hurt by people who you thought you could trust. You ever had, anybody here ever been stabbed in the back by a friend? Hmm. You ever had somebody you thought you could trust and you thought was your your very dearest friend, and it turns out uh, they kind of stabbed you in the back? That can be a Mephibosheth moment, all right? And we can have that anger and that bitterness towards that person and towards God. Uh, Maybe you were uh, teased growing up. Uh, You were teased by others, and it, uh, it has stuck with you. And maybe you have a lifetime of insecurities because of some things that happened when you were a child. If you grew up as a child, maybe you were told you're dumb or you're not pretty or you're not good enough, you'll never grow up to be anything, you'll never grow up to accomplish anything. Guess what? If a child is told that enough in their lifetime, they're going to buy into that, aren't they? And they're going to grow up and that's what they're going to believe. And Maybe that's uh, all of us in this room, whether we admit it or not, we all have insecurities. And a lot of those insecurities go all the way back to childhood. And we still are dealing with those insecurities in our life, all right? And we can get bitter and angry towards people. We can put anybody here put walls up. The rest of your line, uh, we we all put walls up. Amen. What are walls? They are defenses. If I put a wall up, then that's my defense, and you can't get to me. All right. We're all very good at that. And what, what? why do we put up walls? Because we have these insecurities about ourselves. So we put these walls up to defend ourselves. All right? Um, maybe you feel like no one has ever believed in you or given you a chance or given. Maybe you think nobody even gives me a thought. My life is useless. I'm useless. Nobody really cares about me. Nobody loves me. Boo-hoo. Sometimes we, sometimes we have those moments. Everybody here wants a pity party every once in a while, amen? I, I can have some good pity parties. Maybe you can too. And uh, a lot of those pity parties, again, are born out of insecurity. But let's go on and see what, the st- what happens in this story, all right? So five years old, all of this happens. Jo- uh, Jonathan is killed. His daddy is killed. Saul is killed. His grandpa is killed. And they have to go into hiding, literally what we might call Uh, Modern day witness protection program They have to get out of the palace And they take off and they're going into hiding Because they know that David's men Could still track them down Find them and execute everybody So they go into The witness protection program if you will And they go into hiding All right. So many many years go by The Bible's not really specific on how many years Go by and guess what All of these years (sighs) Mephibosheth is angry and bitter. His hatred for David probably grows every single day because here I am and where they end up when you go into hiding you can't go into hiding in a a nice populated fun city you're probably going to go somewhere that's uh in the backwoods where nobody will know you you're going to uh, a hole in the wall place where nobody would possibly find you and so Mephibosheth is in the middle of hiding he's in a place called Lodabar I want you to remember that Lodabar and in Lodabar the bar set low, amen. Uh, there ain't much to Lodibar. And Lodibar is this dry, arid, deserty place. And there ain't nothing there, and there's nobody there. But this is the perfect place to hide. And so this is where Mephibosheth and all of Saul's uh, um, servants and everybody that was in the palace, that's where they all go. And so they're in a place in Lodibar, all right. So let's pick up the story. Now I'll jump over to 2 Samuel chapter 9, chapter 9. And we're going to take it a few verses at a time. We'll start with verses one through three. So years have gone by. Oh, and I forgot—I forgot a part too. When David and Jonathan uh, were younger, they made a pact, and they made a pact that uh, uh, David made a pact to uh, to Jonathan because David knew God had anointed him as the next king of Israel, and he said he made a pact to Jonathan and said, "If anything ever happens uh, to your daddy Saul or or to you, I will take." I will take in your family. In other words, anything happens to you, I will take care of your kids. I will take care of your family if anything happens to you. That, they made a pact together. That's how much they loved each other. All right? So let's pick it up. So this is many years later, and David is now the king. He's in the palace, and he gets to thinking one day, and for some reason he remembers this pact that he made with Jonathan. All right? So it says this in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. Now David said, is there still anyone "...who is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake." He remembers this pact of what he said he would do for Jonathan. And verse 2, it says, "...and there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And so when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, At your service." Verse 3, "...then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God?" And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. Okay? So this is years later. David, for some reason, God picks now to bring this back into David's mind. And he says, I made this pact to Jonathan. So he asked, is there anybody still left from, the, from Saul's household that I could show kindness to? Um, because of Jonathan. And uh, they find this servant Zeba, and Zeba says, Yeah, there is still one son of Jonathan, and uh, his name is Mephibosheth. We uh, hadn't called his name yet. He just said, There's a son of Jonathan who's lame in his feet. All right. All right. So uh, let's go. Crippled people, and you got to remember in this day and time, in this culture, crippled people. There was no ADA, there was no, uh, you know, taking care of all the crippled. If you were crippled back in this day, you were kind of tossed to the trash heap and you were tossed to the side and you were pretty much seen as useless. So, again, this is another reason why Mephibosheth has become so bitter is because he's pretty much been tossed to the side now. He's seen as a useless human being. You have no use, you can't use your legs, and so, therefore, we're sorry for you, but you're just useless to us. And that was kind of the way crippled people were treated back then, okay? All right, let's go on. Uh, Verses 4 and 5 in 2 Samuel 9. So the king said to him, well, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is in the house of Makir, the son of Amiel, in Lodibar. Okay, verse 5. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Makir, the son of Amiel, from Lodibar. Okay, so David sends for him, all right? Now, Lodibar translated means this, place of no bread. It meant it was a place of isolation. It was a place of loneliness. Again, nobody lived there. Nobody was there. And, again, uh, they were there to hide, and they were there so nobody would find them. And uh, so these people from David, David sends a crew to go find him. And so one day they show up at the house And Mephibosheth, I told you all I would have trouble with this, Mephibosheth uh, is in the house, and somebody says, uh, there's a crew, and they're from David, and they're coming. Now, what do you think is going through Mephibosheth's mind? I'm fixing to be killed. He thinks that David and his crew, there's only one reason the crew would show up. The crew would show up at his house to execute him. And because he was the only remaining heir to the throne, He was going to be the first to go. So Mephibosheth thinks, I'm dead. I'm a dead man. These people are coming, and they are coming to kill me, and they're probably going to kill everybody in the house. That's the only reason uh, a contingency from King David would be showing up, all right? And so uh, they begin. Mephibosheth thinks that uh, they've come to torture and to kill him. And again, what does that make him do? As they're coming to the house, his hatred boils even more for David. He thinks this this guy, this terrible guy, is fixing to tor- They're fixing to torture me and kill me. I hate this guy with everything I've got in me. Uh, all right, let's pick it up, verses six through eleven. Now, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Now, why? Again, he's probably going to plead for his life. Mephibosheth again thinks they're there to execute him. So he falls on his face before David, and they bring they, they brought him to David. And then David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Here is your servant. Again, he's he's pleading for his life. Uh, so David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Now, let me stop right there for a second. This is no small deal. You see what he just said there? Don't fear. I'm going to show you kindness for John to your father's sake. And then here's the real dinger here. I will restore to you all of the land of Saul, your grandfather. We're not talking about a little garden out back in the backyard. This means now, that since David had taken over... Again, God's hand was on David, and the kingdom had prospered. And the kingdom had grown way beyond what Saul had. But here is what David is going to do for Mephibosheth. He says, everything that was under your father, your grandfather Saul, everything that was under his kingdom at that point in time, I am giving it back to you. That means all of the kingdom that was there prior to David extending the kingdom. So David said, I'll take the kingdom beyond that, but everything that was here when your your grandfather Saul was here, I'm giving it right back to you. It's yours, and you're over it. Wow. So now Mephibosheth goes from I'm fixing to have my head cut off to I'm restoring you, and not only am I restoring to you, I'm giving you all the kingdom that was your your grandfather's. Wow. All right, let's keep going. Verse 8. Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? This is Mephibosheth talking about himself. Again, you talk about some insecurities. And what had everybody probably told Mephibosheth up to this point? Sorry, Mephibosheth, you're crippled. You're nothing. You are useless. So when he calls himself a dead dog, guess what? He's just repeating what everybody else has probably already told him. And so here he is, and he says, I'm a dead dog. And, uh, and the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and he said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. Verse 10, you therefore and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and she, you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now, Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. So there's 30 people right there, and that's all of Ziba and all the servants. And so now, not only has King David said, I'm bringing Mephibosheth back in, I've given him all the land that was Saul's, I also want all of you 30 other people that were hiding out with him, you are now going to serve him. And you're going to work the land and everything that that land brings and prospers, you're going to put it in his lap. Wow. Wow. So he goes from I'm going to be a dead dog to now he's pretty much right under David, all right? And he's got all of his servants working and bringing it, bringing all the profit to him, all right? Now verse 11. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord, the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for, and here's the key verse right here, underline it, star it, whatever. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, He shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. In other words, I am restoring Mephibosheth, and Mephibosheth is going to be in my house, and he will come in my house, and he will be just like one of my sons. And he will always sit at my table. Do you know what it meant to sit at the king's table? that's a big deal. And so Mephibosheth is completely restored, and he gets to sit at the king's table. Now you say, "Brother Mark, that's that's a great story, but what in the world does that have to do with me? Why do we love stories like this? <clears throat> Encouraging. Encouraging. <clears throat> Let me give you this. You ever watch almost any TV show, any of these uh, competition shows, uh, American Idol, America's Got Talent?" Uh, go back a ways, biggest loser. Uh, you know, the um, what's the one where they would redo somebody's house, uh, you know, who needed their house redone. We all like the underdog stories, don't we? And you'll notice, even American Idol, that's a singing competition, but you know, you'll notice who they feature are the ones who have a story. And the bigger the story draws at your heart and tugs at your heartstrings, Oh man, I love that one right there. Ooh, I love that one. I love because I love their story, because we all love an underdog story. Why do these things resonate so much with us? Because, and I think Miss Pat said it, that's us. We see ourselves in it. Maybe those exact things didn't happen to us. But many times we see ourselves as the underdog. Many times we see ourselves as the one who's broken and hurt and suffering. And we need somebody to turn it around and show us some compassion and some kindness and some mercy. I used to love to watch that. uh, It was the makeover. Yeah, wasn't it? I know I'm getting the name wrong, but the makeover deal where they'd come in and they'd just tell this terrible story of a family who had just suffered all of these things and they couldn't live in their house anymore. And that whole crew would come in for a week, remember? And then they'd say, move that bus. You remember that show? And they'd move that bus and and, just, and everybody, and then you're just at your TV, just bawling. <laughs> you know, we loved that stuff and we loved it because they deserved it. They were coming. They they didn't deserve all of that. That bad that had happened to them, and now somebody's come in, redone their house, and they get to live like normal people again. We love that because guess what? We've all been there. We've all had hurt. We've all been broken. We've all been wounded, and guess what? God has to show us mercy and kindness. Where would you be without God's grace? We'd all. To quote Brother Mike, be in hell with our neck broke. Amen. We deserve hell. We are born sinners. Amen. But God said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He said, I, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. I came into the world so that the world might be saved. Amen. He has come and he has shown you and I great mercy, and we don't deserve it. And we're going to look at three things here, and then I'm going to be done of why. We are Mephibosheth, all right? Here they are. Number one, we are fallen and broken. If you're in this room, you are fallen and broken. Have scripture for each one. Romans 3.23 says this, for all have sinned. Can I ask you who all is? All is all, and that's all all is, amen. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all sinners, in need of a Savior. Amen. If you and I could save ourselves, if we could do it by our works, if we could do it by what we could do, then Jesus, there was no need for him to come and die on a cruel cross for you and for I. He did it to pay for the sins of all mankind. For by grace are you saved, through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. And we are all in need of a Savior. We are all fallen and broken. Number two, We're all pursued by the king. David, God brought it to David's mind, and he remembered that this pact that he had made with Jonathan. Jonathan is now dead and gone, and David remembers God brings it back to David's mind that you promised if anything happened to Jonathan that you'd take care of his family. So, David, what are you going to do about it? Is your word your bond? Is your word and what you say you're going to do Does it mean something? It meant something to David. And God brought it back to David's memory. And he said, you know what? I need to find out. Because I don't need to just say it. My word is my bond. And I need to do it. So he finds out that there's Mephibosheth. And I'm here to tell you that uh, the king, then once he finds out there is one son of Jonathan left, he pursues him. And he sends a crew out. And he says, don't come back till you find him. And when you find him, bring him back to me. All right. So, uh, the scripture for that is John three 17. I think I may have already quoted it. Yeah. Partly for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. The King is pursuing you. The King pursues you and me. Isn't it amazing how God, the Holy spirit works Y'all have heard my testimony, and I know many of y'all's testimony. My testimony is I got saved when I was 15 years old. And guess what? Up until 15, I wasn't looking for God. I wasn't on a journey to find God. I was living my life for myself like you do at 15 years old. Amen? I was a typical teenager. It was all about me. It was all about Mark. And it was all about what I wanted. And so I was selfishly living my life, and then at some point, God keeps using people, and the Holy Spirit shows up and makes you realize that you are being pursued. by the. Here's what I discovered at the age of 15. God was pursuing me, even when I was not giving him any mind, even when I was not looking for him, even, in fact, when I was running as fast as I could the opposite direction. You ever been there, running 100 miles the wrong direction? But even at that point, the king was pursuing me. Amen. And number three. Is probably the most important, and it's, this ought to make a Baptist want to shout. So I think i got a room full of Baptists here, so I want to hear somebody shout, all right? The king's table covers our sins. Come on, Baptists, amen. The king's table covers our sins. When you're sitting at the table, the table covers what's wrong with you. When, John, when, uh, when Mephibosheth is sitting at that table, nobody can tell that he's crippled. Because he's just sitting there just like everybody else is. It covers his sins. It covers the fact that he is crippled, that he can't walk. And guess what? He can't do for himself. But what did the king just do for him? The king just said, it doesn't matter. You're going to be in charge of everything, and I give you all of this land and everything that it makes, everything that it uh, prospers, they're going to bring it. They're going to work the land, and they're going to bring the profit and drop it right in your lap. You don't have to do a thing. The king's table covers our sins. It covers our imperfections. It covers our shortcomings. Amen? This story ought to make every one of us want to cry because it's exactly what God did. It's a wonderful story, but it's also a picture of what God does for us. What David did for Mephibosheth is a picture of exactly what God the Father does for you and for me. Out of his great mercy, out of his great love. I don't deserve salvation. You don't deserve salvation. God has shown his mercy and his grace, and he covers our sins. Man. Man. One more slide, and I think this is the most important. Go ahead and put that last slide up there. I want you to read this. You can take a picture of it. You can write it down because I think many of us, we're still living as if we're paupers. We're still living with an orphan mindset, and God says, you're no longer an orphan. You belong to me because sometimes we want to think we're broken and useless and God says, No, no, my son, no, my daughter. You're chosen. You're chosen, and you're invited to the table. And not only are you invited to the table. You remember growing up and they used to have Thanksgiving, and you go to the family Thanksgiving, and they had the adult table. What else did they have over to the side? Had that kids' table. And do you remember the day that you got to move from the kids' table to the adult table? Whoo! Come on, you make you want to shout, amen. That's exactly what God does for us. He says, oh, no, my child. Oh, no, my son and daughter. You're not sitting at the kids' table. Come on. Come on. You're sitting at the adult table, and guess what? I'm going to give you the honor seat. I'm going to give you the seat right here at the head of the table. That's what God does for you and for me. You're not broken. You're not useless. You may say, well, I've I've got this wrong with me, or I've got this wrong with me, or you don't know my past, and I can't do it. Listen. Listen. It doesn't matter. God says that you are chosen, you're invited, and God can not only uh, forgive you of your sin, he can also use your greatest pain and your greatest failures for his glory. There's a ministry called Celebrate Recovery. And Celebrate Recovery helps people get out of their addictions. And then it says, now that you've been freed from your addiction, you need to go and you need to help somebody else. Amen? Amen? That's your job now. God is fixing to use your greatest pain and your greatest failure in your life to go and help somebody else. Who needs to help an alcoholic? Somebody who's been an alcoholic. Who needs to help somebody get free of drugs? Somebody who's been there themselves. Who who better to help somebody who is struggling in their addiction than somebody who has walked that road themselves? So many times God will use that greatest pain to be your greatest ministry. I've got a guy one time, and uh, some of you know him. He came to Grace Point back in the early days, and uh, because of some bad decisions and mistakes in his life, he had spent time in prison, and he had a felony on his record. And he felt like God had called him to the ministry early in his life, but because of this felony on his record, he felt like I'm broken. I'm useless. God can't use me. And we would have lunch uh, many times, and he would say, Mark, I, I want to be used by God, but I just don't know where. But he would always tell me his story and things that happened in prison. And I said, one day, I said, Well, you know, you, you're always telling me about all these things in prison. What about have you ever thought about prison ministry? And he said, No, I don't want to go back into prison. No, I'm trying to forget that part of my life. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get past that part of my life. And I said, Well, you know what? God may want to take your greatest pain there because you know who those prisoners are going to listen to? They're going to listen to somebody who has been in there and who has walked that road with them. And today, he is a thriving minister in a great prison ministry. Goes four or five times a month. Amen? Yeah. And again, and he said, I got to thank you because I didn't want to think about that. I wanted to run away from that part of my life. But God had to convince me and show me that he wanted to take the part that I was trying to run away from, and he wanted to use that for his glory. Guess what? God can do it, folks. God can do it. He can take our greatest pain and can turn it around for good. That's what that scripture means, that the what the enemy meant for evil, God can turn it for good. Amen? If you would, bow your head and close your eyes. Julie's going to come. Maybe today you'd say, Brother Mark, I am not where I need to be with the Lord, and I need to get things right with Him, and I I need to uh, come running back into His arms. And Guess what? Here's the good news. God is always just a prayer way. He's always waiting with arms open wide. He promised in His word that He would never leave you nor forsake you. God doesn't move. We move away from Him, or we move closer to Him. So today, maybe you just need to turn around and come running back into His arms. Or maybe today you've never committed your life to him. Maybe you're going to come running into his arms for the very first time. As scripture says, Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn you. He didn't come to condemn you, my child. He came to save you, and he is pursuing you. Maybe the Holy Spirit is pursuing you this morning. With head bowed and eyes closed, if that's you today, and you'd say, Brother Mark, I just need to ask the Lord to forgive me and draw me back to him. Say this prayer with me in your heart and your mind. Just say, dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner, and I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Lord, right now, the best way I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe you came, and you died on that cross, and you spilled your blood for the payment of my sins. And Lord, right now, I ask you to be the Savior of my life. you're here today, I never would want to embarrass you, but I would love to pray for you. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe it's a prayer of recommitment, would you just lift up a hand so I could pray for you today? Anyone in the room today? Thank you. Thank you. Maybe today you would say, Brother Mark, I am like Mephibosheth. I know the Lord's calling me to do more, but I feel like I've just been broken and I'm not useful, and I'm still struggling to get over my own stuff. And would you just pray for me that I could could get past my past and the Lord could use me. I want to be used. Would you just lift up a hand so I can pray for you? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to have a time of response here. The altar is going to be open if you want to come and pray. Uh, Or if you want somebody to pray with you, Brother Martin will be on that side of the stage. I'll be over here. We would love to pray over you. Uh, If you need to come and join the church, if you need to make any decision for the Lord, this time is for you. Father, have your will and your way in our lives today and, and uh, the decisions that people make. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing a song. And if you need to come and pray, uh, you come at this time.
4: Softly and tenderly, Jesus.
0: thank you for your attentiveness again. Uh, I know it's summertime. Please be careful. If you're going out on the road and going on vacation, uh, just, uh, please be careful. Uh, don't forget next Sunday is July the third, the day before July 4th. Uh, Brother Martin has his flag shirt already I've got my flag shirt already so wear your flag shirts and we're all going to be patriotic uh, next week amen hey one other thing I didn't want to mention and I'm going to get brother JT to put some YouTube clips together but uh, many of you know my other job is running sound and I run sound at a place called Liberty Hall downtown. And uh, they're beginning to, there's a, there's a group that is uh, trying to promote gospel shows coming in. And I want them to succeed, and I want them to have good crowds so that that'll keep happening. Uh, they, they only happen if they make money, and, uh, and it's worth them coming. Uh, and uh, they're bringing some really good, I mean, these are not just uh, unknown groups. Uh, uh, on, and both of these are in August, but I wanted to go ahead and get it out there. And you can go on uh, Liberty Hall's uh, uh, Facebook page. But uh, in August, one weekend in August is Jimmy Fortune, the guy that sang first tenor with the Statler Brothers. And uh, he's coming with a full band. And then the next uh, Saturday after that, I believe, is the Isaacs. And the Isaacs is a singing family. It's been singing for years and incredible harmonies, incredible musicians, that'll be for the full band too. So uh, I really wanna help promote these shows so that they'll do good and they'll bring even more, even more groups in. Amen. So, uh, so you can, uh, we'll we'll try to start playing some uh, uh, some of their clips before uh, before the services and everything. All right. Hey, let's uh, pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for today. I pray that everybody would go from this place and have a great day today. Lord, as we go out this week, that's our mission field outside these doors. So God help us to go out and be a witness. Uh, for you all this week. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, and you are dismissed. Have a great rest of your day.